So we began with uh, praying the genesis and the revelation of the day. Today has a beginning. We started the day. The Bible begins with Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so there's a beginning to the day. And sometimes we can start the day and, and we can roll out of bed and say, oh, God, another day. Or we can roll out of bed and say, oh, God, another day, right? It's really up to us. It's our focus, our, our perspective on every single day. And when you get up in the morning and you begin the day, do you want God to create good things within your life? Do you want him to bring his peace and his joy and his, his, his attributes into your life that day? And so I believe it's important as you begin the day, precede the day in prayer, it is a powerful thing. If you've never done it before, and this is one of the things as a pastor, I've gotten more um, feedback on this concept of starting the day in prayer just about than any other tool I've tried to give, that preceding the pray day with prayer and beginning with the genesis of the day and saying, God, please, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for who you are. Please create in me the good things that you want for me today. Please create in me patience and kindness and self-control. Please create in me a trust in you today that is growing. And so we talked about the genesis of the day and then the revelation of the day. The Bible ends in revelation. Every day has an ending. Every day matters. Every day is important. And looking back over that day and seeing, God, what did you teach me today? What are you teaching me in life? What are you showing me? You know, God is moving constantly. And it's, it can be easy because we live in a, in a broken world. In a, in our, and even within us, we call it sin that distorts our views. We can miss God all the time. We can miss him. And yet he's always there. He's always moving He's always doing things around us um, to show himself and to encourage us. And so at the end of the day, taking that moment to consider what did he teach you today? You know, there's so many amazing lessons we can learn every day that will build us as people, build our character, build us as humans. And so I think it's important to take those moments. And if you don't journal, if you don't write them down, I would encourage you to do that as well. You will be amazed over the years how God works and you'll look back. You may be in the middle of a very difficult situation. You'll look back at God's faithfulness at another point in your life and see that he is always faithful. He'll always bring you through no matter what. Then we looked at it's not prayer without thanksgiving. Uh, this is an important thing for me in my life that I've recognized that if I'm only going to God and saying, God, fix this. God, change this. God, do what I want you to do. And I don't go to God and say, thank you. Thank you for life. Thank you for my family. Thank you for hope. Thank you for peace. Thank you for all of these things that I miss out on what prayer is intended to be. Prayer is much more about me listening to God than me talking to God. It's listening to him say, I'm there with you, Mike. I'm there. I've always been here. And guess what? I'm doing things in your life to grow you and mature you and help you along your life's journey. And so it is not really prayer without thanksgiving. Then we are to always consider who we're praying to. We're praying to the God that knows everything about us. We're praying to the God that knows everything about the future, knows everything about the present. There is no surprises to our God. And so when we go to him, we know that he wants us to come to him as a loving father, as a kind father who wants to embrace us and wants to guide us in a, in a life where he is, he's showing us and, and using us for his glory. And so to understand that when we go to him in prayer, that we're praying to the unseen God, but the unseen God who's so visible all the time and all that he does around us. He shows himself in so many different ways. 
Then we looked at submitting to the lordship of Christ. I really like the idea of salvation, that Jesus died for me as my savior. It's a lot harder for me to accept him as Lord and say, you're in charge today. I want to have your attitude. I want to have your approach, the approach you want me to have to life. I want you to be in charge of my decisions when it comes to how I spend my money, how I spend my time, how I spend my energy. All of these things, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And so there's a distinction there, and I think it's important that every day when we start the day, precede the day in prayer, we, we really come to grips with the fact that who's really the Lord of our lives? Am I the Lord or is he the Lord? And if I'm the Lord, what results am I going to see long term from that? And so it's an encouraging thing to recognize that he can and is willing and is there and available to be our Lord. And then we looked at God will take care of you. Do you believe that today? I've talked to some people the last couple days, and and there's some distress, right? Do you know God's going to take care of you? We are never to live in fear. God does not give us a spirit of fear. Fear is of the enemy. Fear is a lie. There is a hope that Christ gives, a peace that God gives. Now, is everything smooth and easy in this life? Absolutely not. Throughout all of the history of the church, it's been struggle. It's been attack. It's been um, very difficult at times. But that doesn't mean it's not good. It doesn't mean it's not right. And it doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. In, in actuality, he grows us much more in the valleys than he does in the peaks. C.S. Lewis writes in one of his books, I believe it's Mere Christianity, that God whispers in our pleasure and he screams in our pain. We hear from God. We are, more, we are more on track desiring God when we recognize our absolute need for him. And so I would encourage you not to be afraid, not to be uh, living in fear, but to live in a pursuit of knowing that God is with you, he is for you, and his Holy Spirit is in you and will guide you. And last week, or this week, we're going to talk about the pathway of prayer, the pathway of prayer. And my, my thought to you this morning is, It's important to recognize you're on a path. We're all going somewhere. This day is one more day closer to the end of this life. It's not the greatest thought ever, but it's a truthful thought, right? This day is one more day closer to the end of this life. How how are things going? Where are you going, right? When I was uh, a pastor at another church, we took a trip to Columbia. It was in 2010. And on that trip, uh, we flew into Bogota, Colombia. And when we landed and we got off the airport and we got into our ride to, our, to the hotel we were staying at, we were told to be very careful because there was a major conflict in the country of Colombia. There was the drug wars were going on and uh, there was a good chance if we were to get off track, if we were to go out and, and not be with the people we're supposed to be with, that we would be abducted and held for ransom. So it wasn't the safest situation. Well, we flew from Bogota to a place called Lecticia, Colombia. And you can go to the next slide, Elijah. Uh, here in Lecticia, you can only get there by plane. And what we were there to do, we were there to share Jesus, and we were there to supply some of the tribes that were in the more rural areas of the jungle with food. And so we bought a cow, we put it on a boat, and we went down the Amazon, and we were delivering this food to the people, the tribes people there in Colombia, in Lecticia. Now, if you look here, you're going to see on the left... Every time we went, we had to have military accompaniment. We had to have that boat has a mounted machine gun on it. 
because it was not the safest place, okay? And then on the right, that was the boat we were in, and we were going down the Amazon. And on one of the days when we were on the Amazon, and we were going to one of the villages, it was off the main river, and it, we had made a couple of turns, and we could recognize that the, the, the captain of the ship was getting a little nervous, and there was some tension on the boat. I don't know if you've ever been on an airplane and you're worried it's going to crash or you've been in a situation with a group of other people and you feel that tension. Have you ever felt that tension like something is not right? Something is, may go really, really wrong here. And what began to be whispered around and got to my attention was that we didn't know where we were. Now, in 2010, there was a popular show on TV called Lost. And that's all I could think about was this is the end for me, and my wife was pregnant at the time. It was not a good time for me to be lost, uh, but it was tense, and there was about two or three hours where all you're contemplating is, I'm dead, <laughs> right? And, you, and everyone's nervous, and everyone's stressed out, and then all of a sudden, our, the, the interpreter, her cell phone works in the middle of nowhere, which my cell phone doesn't even work here half the time. In the middle of the Amazon, her cell phone works, and she gets us back on the right path, and we're okay. And there's that relief, right? But you know in life, you know in life it's not that easy. In life, we have those places where there's kind of a fork in the road, you know, sometimes it's in high school and college. Sometimes it's in our young 20s or 30s or 40s. Someplace, there's typically a fork in the road where we make big decisions in life. And sometimes we make decisions and we go down that path and we get pretty far down it and we recognize we're lost. And we wake up one day and we say, how in the world did we get here? How in the world did I get here? How did things get so messed up? How did things get so lost? You know, there's a lot of people that are waking up today feeling that way about life. You might be one of them. You might be here saying, I don't know how my life turned out like this. I don't know how things got like this. I did not plan for them to turn out like this. And that can be a scary thing. It can be a scary thing when you're on a path and you don't know where it's going and you feel that tension that it's probably not going to a very good place. And I believe as we finish out the prayer and we finish out these 40 days that God is giving us some clarity to the pathways of life. And so this saying that I heard that I thought was interesting is we should know the destination before we buy the ticket. Right? We should know the destination before we buy the ticket. You know those forks in the road, it's really, it's really buying a ticket to go somewhere. And we all know that, that not every ticket is good. Most of them actually are bad. And they're headed to really bad places. And so my encouragement as we look to God's word is to remind ourselves that we should know our destination. When we know our destination, then there's peace. When we know our destination, there's hope. And so that's my encouragement as we go to the Lord. Uh, his word, let us precede it with prayer. If you'd pray with me, please. Father God, you are holy, and you are just, and you are righteous, and you're here with us now, and there are no surprises for you. And Lord, as, as the landscape changes constantly in this world, as leaders change, as um, places change, as jobs change, as all these things are changing constantly. 
but you've stayed the same because you're the same yesterday and forever. And so, Lord, help us to build our lives on your rock, on your stability. Help us not to live in fear or anxiety, but in hope and grace and mercy, knowing that you are with us. You are for us, and your Holy Spirit will guide us. And, Lord, today, give us what we need. Give us exactly what we need. Um, You know what we need, whether it's peace, whether it's assurance, whether it's hope, or maybe it's conviction. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray you would give it to us, that we would receive it, and, Lord, that we would grow and mature. And maybe we begin a relationship with you, or maybe we continue to take one more step closer to you today. Lord, help that to happen. Thank you for Matthew. Thank you for him recording uh, this beautiful prayer for us. Thank you for sharing this prayer with us so that we would have a, a point of reference when we talk to you. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to every single one of us. That Lord, whatever wall, whatever darkness we've allowed in, that you would break through that and that we would sense your love, your light, and your peace and your assurance right now. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We've been going through the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to conclude that today. Uh, Verse 13, it says this, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so where does temptation lead us? Where does temptation lead us? Well, James, the brother of Jesus, which is an amazing thing. I, just, I don't want to get too far off track here. But it's an amazing thing that James, the brother of Jesus, wrote a book about his brother being Jesus the Christ. I just want to ask you a quick question. If you have a brother or sister, would you ever worship them as God? What would they have to do for you to worship them as God? Not be who they are, right? <laughs> The truth of the matter is, the fact that Jesus' own brother is so committed to him that he writes a book to let all of us know his commitment level and knowing that he believes he is the Lord and he is our Savior is a powerful thing. But here's what James says in the very beginning of it's verse 1, chapter 1, verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. And so look, as we look at James, we're told um, in this model prayer, lead us not into temptation. Because what happens with temptation? Temptation, just like a plant or like us, has a, a reproductive cycle. And what happens is something is birthed within us. Have you ever had a really evil thought and you just don't know where it came from? Do you realize the Bible teaches that there is an enemy that lives within us called sin and sin will not censor itself when it comes to its tempting you? Every single one of us, I think we would all be shocked by what we've been tempted by, right? If we're honest, we would all be shocked by the things we're tempted by. But the truth of the matter is, is that temptation isn't sin. Only giving into that temptation and fertilizing it and watering it and seeing it grow is how it becomes sin. And so James says that temptation comes, it's within us, and we don't say, get away. We don't say, I don't want to have anything to do with you. We say, oh, you look nice. You look fun. You look like you're, you are better than what God has for me. Because really, when we fall into temptation, what we're saying is, whatever this is, is better than whatever God has for me. Right? And so I'm saying, come on in. 
I'm inviting you into my heart, I'm inviting you into my mind, and I'm going to grow you. Unfortunately, sin always lies. It always lies. It may seem wonderful. The Bible says sin is pleasant for a season. It feels fantastic. If sin wasn't fun, no one would be doing it, right? Sin can be pretty amazing for a very short time. But it's like a credit card, right? You get all that stuff, and then you pay it off the rest of your life. And so temptation, it doesn't birth something that's insignificant. It doesn't birth something that's harmless. It births death. When it's full grown, it grows into death. Now, it's not always physical death. Sometimes it's death of a relationship. Sometimes it's death of an opportunity. Sometimes it's death of joy in your heart. Sometimes it's death of sensitivity in your life. Sometimes it's death of empathy towards other people. See, death comes in a lot of different forms within us humans. And so when we let that seed of sin grow, it always produces death. Always. And so when we go to the Lord every single day, Jesus is saying, do not underestimate the power of that temptation that lives within you. All of us. We can't lie to ourselves and say we're not tempted. We cannot lie to ourselves and say, oh, I'm only tempted with little things. We are tempted with evil things all the time. And what we're told to do, what we're told to do here is to take that and say, God, you are in control. And today, I don't want to go anywhere near that on my path. When I see it on my path, I'm going to avoid it. Do you know what I've learned is the best way to deal with temptation? The best way to deal with with temptation is to recognize and invite the Holy Spirit to be with you. If he can't be with you, you shouldn't be there, whether it's in your thought or in your action. If the Holy Spirit can't be right next to you, if the Holy Spirit is not invited, not this time, Holy Spirit, because you're not going to like what we're doing. Right? If If that's ever the case, you know you're in danger. And so the best thing I've learned for me personally is every temptation that comes my way, I think, is the Holy Spirit invited into this? Is the Holy Spirit welcome here? Is the Holy Spirit able to participate? Because he's there. When I receive Jesus as my Savior, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit of God now dwells within me. We are not in a church building. This is not the house of God. We are the house of God. And when he comes and lives in me, that means everything I do, he's with me. Every thought that I have, every action that I take, he is present with me. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, lead me not into temptation. You're saying, on my path, help me to avoid these because I know you're with me and I know that they will bring death. I know that temptation always brings death when I allow it to grow into sin. But it's not easy. Because our emotions say, that seems like it would feel great. Our mind thinks, that may be better than what God has for me. And so temptation is a liar. Temptation deceives. Temptation is not a small foe when it comes to the battle. But there's a greater asset, a greater ally, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. And so you ask him, please, please lead me not into temptation. Help me to avoid death in my life. I don't want it. 
Then we see that we are to ask him to deliver us from the evil one because the evil one is dangerous. We're told in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and sober of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, one of the things that that parents will sometimes do to kind of scare the uh, bad behavior out of their kids is they'll take them to a jail or they'll take them to a prison and they'll have them meet someone who's gone through a hard life and made a lot of bad choices. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But what that young person will recognize is that your life is valuable and your life can be easily destroyed. I remember in my, my life when I was 16, probably up to my 30s, just feeling invincible, feeling like nothing could hurt me, feeling like I could get away with things, I can do things, I'm, I am strong. Looking back, I see that was the roaring lion seeking who he could devour. I'm never more in danger than when I don't think I'm in danger. You're never more in danger than when you think you're not in danger. You may have been in church your whole life. You may be sitting here, gone to Sunday school every day of your life. You pray every day. You're still in danger. Actually, you're probably more in danger because the enemy really wants to take you down. When you think you're so safe because of how good a person you are and you're not relying on God and you're not recognized that I need him every minute of every day to save me and take me out of this, you're in a dangerous place. Because there's an enemy, a real enemy, that is, is going around devouring lives, destroying lives, destroying marriages, destroying jobs, destroying workplaces, destroying countries. Because he's a real enemy. So how do we overcome all these things? How do we live out this prayer that, that Jesus says this is a model of how you're to pray? Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Well, I think there's a really powerful verse in Proverbs that gives us a great point of reference, a great guideline. First, uh, Proverbs 3, verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. You know what's tough for me, and, and maybe you can relate to this, is not leaning on your own understandings. Not trying to say, I figured out life, I know how it works, I know what's best. It's tough, isn't it? It's tough to say, maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I need to put all of my trust in the Lord today. Maybe I need to stop relying on my own abilities and start relying on him in my life. Here's what the promise is. The promise is if you're willing to not lean on your own understandings, but to acknowledge him. What does it mean to acknowledge? To say, I recognize that you are real. I recognize that you have desires for the decisions I make. I recognize you want to be part of the decision-making in everything I do in life. I recognize it and help me to understand it and to see it when it happens in my life. He says he'll lead you. He'll lead you when you get to that place in your life where you recognize and you submit. So my question to you this morning, every single one of us in this room, where are we going? Where are you individually going? Where is your life's path headed? Where are you going? Do you know the destination? 
Are you absolutely sure of where you're going and what path you're on? We all in our lives now use phones. I don't even know if maps exist anymore. <laughs> but on the, some of you love maps. I'm sorry, I don't want to offend. But on your phone, you have Google Maps. And I use Google Maps a lot. And if I was to try to go to a restaurant, I, even if I knew pretty much where it was, I may still Google Map it. Why? Because I trust Google Maps. And Google Maps isn't always right. But most of the time, it's right. And I trust it called GPS, right? Global Positioning System. They're satellites that are telling me where to go, and I'm going to trust them. As a follower of Christ, when I precede the day in prayer, am I willing to use the God's pathway shown as my application of life? And am I willing to say God knows where I'm going today? He knows where I should go, and I need to be in tune with him so well that I know when he says turn right or turn left or go straight that I'm following his directions because his directions are from above. He can see way past where I can see, and he knows where all the turns lead. Because if you're not using God's positioning, you're using your own positioning. And how far can you see? Right? And so my encouragement is we come to the end of the Lord's Prayer. We come to the end of these 40 days of prayer Let's not look to the future in fear, but in hope, because God knows where we are, and he knows where he's leading us to. But it's a commitment to you. You know, it's a commitment to me to make sure I charge my phone, make, that I have it with me, and that I know how to use it once I turn it on. Because if I don't do those things, I can't use my phone as a GPS. It's exactly the same with your walk with the Lord. If you're not diving into the Word, building that relationship, committed to him and to the things that are his... You're not going to be able to tap into that truth of where he's leading you and guiding you. And so that's the commitment. That's the commitment that we're called to make. How do we apply this? I would say from this day forth, precede every day in prayer. Make a commitment. I'm going to start the day, the very first thing in the day, in prayer. And I'm going to apply these tools to my life so that I can follow them. I'm going to deal with temptation and sin. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There's no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let, let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he also provides a way out so you can endure it. Applying this is the truth that there's nothing in your life, no temptation that comes from within, no temptation that comes with, without, that God will not give you an escape route. They do not give you a deviation on your path so you'll be safe. But you've got to be connected there. You say, God, help me to see those traps and pitfalls. And then finally, I would say, to apply this to your life, get prepared for your destination. You see, there's two ways of living life, and we're all doing them right now. Two ways of living life. We live like this is all there is, so we get as much as we can while we can because this is all there is. Right? Or we know there's an eternity on the other side of this, and everything we do in this life will reflect in that life. So our decisions really show what we believe. Our decisions really show what we're faith is in. And so if I think this is all I have, then I'll invest in everything here. If I know there's something yet to come beyond this, then I will live with that truth. 
And so knowing that Christ has died for me, that he has saved me, he has given me grace and mercy, I can invest every day in him. And you can invest every day in him. And that means you're getting ready for your destination. You're packing the bags. What am I going to bring with me? What am I going to do? You know? Get prepared for what is yet to come. Because he is guiding you on your path. To do this, you have to be twice born. The next steps in all of our lives is to be spiritually alive. For you to pack your bags spiritually, for you to be prepared for the next life spiritually, you have to come to Christ as your Savior. You have to be twice born. He told a man named Nicodemus, who was a very scholarly uh, leader in his time, religious leader, he said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God, to be a child of the Father. And so have you been twice born? Are you committed to praying each day as part of your lifestyle, as part of who you are? In the notes on the back, there is a prompt, a prayer prompt you can use. It's from Psalms 25, 4 and 6. I think this would be a majorly helpful tool for you. Tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as you begin the day in prayer, this would be a good place to read to get your heart and mind in the right position, the right framework. Psalms 25, 4 through 6 says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Would you commit to starting the day, preceding it with prayer, asking the Lord to help you on your path as you prepare for what is yet to come? Let's pray. God, you are good. You're worthy of our lives, you're worthy of our thoughts, you're worthy of our worship. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning and ask that you would be lifted up in our hearts, in our lives. As we make commitments to you, help us, Lord, to not just make temporary commitments, but lifelong commitments. Lord, we know that there's an enemy right now trying to keep us from this. We know that even in our hearts there's a battle, but we claim you as the victor. We look to you as our hope. And so, Lord, now in this very moment, I pray that you would have victory in our hearts and victory in our lives. Lord, if we are confused, if we are living in fear, if we um, don't sense you, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to, to knowing your love and to having peace and clarity in life. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to guide us. Show us your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.